The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Psalm 42. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and and appear before Him? I don't know if you can relate to this so far. But my heart and my soul cries out for God. I, I miss Him. Amen. I want to be with Him. I thirst for Him. Amen. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Can't you feel the mockery that, this, that our culture is and that this world is to God? Yes. They don't see Him. They, they look at us and they say, why are you doing these things? Right. Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Do you feel your soul to be disquieted within you? I know I do. As Brother Buddy mentioned uh, in, a, in the prayer, uh, you know, you watch the news, we're watching the news and we see all these things and it disquiets my soul within me. Right. Whether it's CNN, whether it's Fox, it doesn't matter, it disquiets me. Right. And I've certainly felt cast down um, lately, but also at other times in life. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the mill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You know, this psalm really is a psalm that describes my heart. It's disquieted. It's in many ways frustrated. But I love that at the end of this psalm, you see this this hope springing. It says, I shall yet praise Him. But what I want us to look at... um, this morning is specifically in verse 8. I love this that he says, it says, Yet the Lord, in the midst of all of this, it says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. I love that our God is an intentional God. He doesn't just say, Well, he likes you, and, and yeah, he kind of loves you. No, he says, He commands his loving kindness over you in the daytime. But in the night, 
His song shall be with me. I want to talk to you about uh, a song in the night this morning. Now, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful day today. It's a good temperature out there. You know, it's, it's really easy to feel the loving kindness of God in the daytime, isn't it? But what about the night? What about the darkness of the night? You know, night, obviously, is a dark time, literally. But it's also, it's also a time of hopelessness. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. I know that I have. When you, when you wake up in the, in the middle of the night and you're sick, it is so much worse. It is like the pit of despair. And you're just waiting. You just want that morning to come, right? It, it, it seems like it wouldn't be so bad if it was in the daytime. Why is that? Why is it that the, dark, the, the darkness of night is so bad and so hopeless? Um, you know, I looked into it, and there's actually a study that shows a correlation between the nighttime and suicide rates. As a matter of fact, between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., suicides occur eight times, uh, eight times higher than they do in, in the daytime. Now, that's pretty astonishing. And, it, and, you know, as I think about the times that I've woken up <laughs> in, in those hours, I, I, I get it, you know. Those, those are the darkest times. It's in, it's in the very heart of the night, the very throes of that night. But then once you get past 4 a.m., then, then you can say, well, the, the morning, uh, the sunrise is just about to come. I can make it through this. The example that I used there at Vestavia, which is really silly, was I remember a specific time in which I had a tummy ache when I woke up. It wasn't necessarily a sickness. It was just a tummy ache, you know. But at the middle of the night, when I was little, that was the worst thing ever. It was the, it was the scariest, most hopeless thing I had experienced. And as I just paced the floor there in the living room, just praying that the Lord would deliver me from that tummy ache. You know, what brought relief to me was at about 5.30 in the morning when I started to see those, those rays of sun come over the horizon. And then it was like I was instantly healed. I felt so much better. Isn't it amazing what joy will do to you, even your physical circumstances? But it's not just those simple things. I mean, everything is worse at night. Your fears, your insecurities, your debts, your doubts, you know, your, your struggles with your faith even. Does God love me? That's a question that I've asked myself more in the nighttime than I ever have in the daytime. You know, there was a, there was a night that I experienced about two or three weeks ago. And it's interesting. It was after Meredith was asleep, so I didn't have any comfort there and no hope there. It was just me alone. It was just, it was just me alone with my failings sitting there before the dark, before the emptiness of darkness, and before my God, with, with my sin, with my failures, 
with my doubts, with my, with my fears about what's going to come with the economy and how in the world am I supposed to navigate my family through this time? And, and you, know what, you know what happened to me that night? Is that although sometimes I may have allowed that despair to take over me and, and drive me into a panic attack, what I did was I opened up this book. And, and as, as it often helps me to look at the Psalms, and I opened to this Psalm that night. And as I read through this, I'm telling you, it overcame me when the Lord said, I give you a song in the night. You know, as I said, He commands His loving kindness in the daytime, but there's something special that He gives you in the nighttime. He gives you a song in the night. It's something different. Now, I want you to think about this. It's not just the literal night, okay? We also experience night seasons. That's a recurring phrase in the Scripture, the night seasons. Uh, David, I believe, even says that his rains, uh, my rains will instruct me in the night seasons. You know, David experienced night seasons. We see that in, in the Psalms. Psalm 3 and Psalm 4, along with several others, are good examples of Psalms that came out of uh, David experiencing a, a night season in his life. I believe it was Psalm 3 was when he was on the run from his son as his son had taken over the throne and was out to kill David and he was out on the run from his own son. I mean, I really can't imagine that. How, how dark that would feel. And he, and he sings this song of praise in Psalm 3 essentially. We have night seasons. It's not just, it may not be uh, just restrained to one night. It may be months. It may be years. And you may feel hopeless. I believe we're in a night season in our, in our nation. Not the first. Not the first, and it won't be the last if, if the Lord blesses us to continue to be a nation. I believe we're in a night season in this church. I don't know if you felt that. If you have felt the apathy in your own heart growing, almost as if we have forgotten what the revival was like. And as we see members that we love dearly be so afflicted, that, I'm telling you, that has bothered me. It, is, it, is, it has brought a darkness to me. We are in a night season. But the Lord brings a song in the night, okay? I want you to remember that. So what is, what is a song in the night? A song in the night is something very, very special. It's not always a deliverance from your problems. It's joy. It's a, it's a joy, it's a hope that surprises you despite your circumstances. I want you to think about the, the Israelites as they came to the Red Sea. As they, the Lord delivered them from Egypt, all these mighty wonders. They get to the Red Sea and they say, well, it's a, it's a sea. We can't cross and we've got the Egyptian army coming behind us. 
What did they do? They just started despairing. Now, a song in the night, just so that you'll, you'll be able to recognize one. <laughs> That's not what happened there, okay? The, the Lord delivered them through the Red Sea, and then on the other side, they praised God. They sang a song to Him. But that's not a song of the night. A song of the night would have been if even in the midst of their adverse circumstances as they're facing the Red Sea, they were able to sing praises to God. Now that doesn't always happen. It's a very special thing. You know, music is a special thing. I know we experienced that this morning. Man, I'm telling you, as my disquieted soul heard the singing of God's children, as y'all sang, I'm telling you, it lifted me up. Music is a gift of God. Make no mistake about that. It is a gift of God. And in, and in many ways, I know you'll know what I mean when I say this phrase, it is probably the closest thing to magic that I've experienced. Okay? <laughs> it really is. It, it has effects on you. And I think that's okay for us to say that. God made music. He is the composer of music. He has given us this. It, it, is, it is the method that He chooses for us to worship Him with. With music. That's, that's one among many reasons that we believe in a cappella singing. Because... Guess what instrument God made? Your voice. It's the only instrument that God made Himself. Your voice. And whether it's a low voice, like Brother Abel's, whether it's a, a high voice, the Lord has given you your voice to praise Him with. And whether you're losing your voice, and all you can do is just barely get out a cry of praise, Praise God. Amen. It is something that He has given us to praise Him with. But even more than that, it's a gift to you. You know that music has effects on your health. Amen. I looked into that. I, I studied on, in on that some. You know, it can, it can lower your blood pressure. It can even boost your immune system. That, that blew my mind. Listening to music can help your immune system. It also can help slow aging. You know, it, it can actually uh, slow the decay of your neurons in your brain. So it can literally slow aging. It's sort of ironic that most of the, 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 the most famous musicians die early, but that's because they trash their bodies. But anyway, um, but music, music itself is a blessing. It's a gift. Uh, it can help uh, reduce pain and anxiety. But I looked into it a little bit. It was so curious to me, the science uh, behind music. And I'm telling you, it, it has the Lord's fingerprints all over it, okay? So a way that you can tell, obviously, that, that God is directly involved in something is, is it can be so very simple, but yet the more you zoom in, the more and more complex it is. Just like you. On the surface, you look like a simple thing. But then if you, if you look at yourself under a microscope, you are so complex. It is, there is absolutely no way that you could be an accident. Okay? 
Music is no way it could be an accident. Now, what I do and what I, when I'm trying to lead singing, that may sound like an accident. <laughs> but, but music, music itself, it is intentional. Amen. This is something else that, that um, really uh, blew my mind. You know, when you hear a note, when you hear the, a note of music, what you think you're hearing is just one solitary sound. Think about it like this. Think about a key on the piano. Okay, it's, it's a very controlled thing. You can touch one key, one sound comes out. But it's not actually one note that's being played. It, it really, in every single note, there's a, a, an entire harmonic scale that's actually occurring. It's like 10 or 12 notes that's actually happening at one time. And what you hear with your ear is just that one key. That, that, that's amazing. Now something happens when we sing hymns. I've heard this before with my own ears. It's called overtones. What, what happens is the way that our four-part harmony uh, meets together, you hear a fifth part appear. I can't explain it. I don't even know why it happens. Why do we hear a fifth part of music when we're only singing four parts? Music is a gift of God. I, I happen to believe that angels are joining and singing on that fifth part. Meredith's got a recording on the phone. I, I want us to listen to it after church. You can hear, you can hear that fifth part appear out of nowhere. And man, it is glorious. Music is a gift. And so when, when you read this and you say, well, song in the night, Lord, why, why wouldn't you give me something better? Why won't you bring me the, the morning in the night? Why won't you bring me deliverance in the night? No, He gives you something way better. He gives you music. He gives you a song in the night. Let me give you a few examples of people who felt this song in the night. We can go to Job. Go to Job. I want to read this to you. Job chapter 19. And we all know what happened to Job. Perhaps one of the wealthiest man, uh, men on the planet at the time. And Satan comes uh, to the Lord. Um, and he's been out prowling to and fro, uh, looking for people to devour. And then uh, the Lord says, if you consider my servant Job, and he says, you know, I can't get to him, essentially. Which lets us know that, that Satan has already tried. And so then Satan afflicts Job. Not, not the Lord, but Satan does. And he takes everything from him. He takes his family. He takes his prosperity, his, his riches. You know, I said this while I was at Vestavia, too. You know, it's interesting that he didn't take his wife. Um, and I, I wonder why. You know, I, I think, of course, I said it jokingly that it's pretty sad that he didn't take his wife. It's almost as if Satan knew. It's like, that'll work for me. That'll work for me, leaving her there. 
But it really did, though. It really did, because after all of that, and Job remained faithful to the Lord, then she said, why don't you just curse him and die? And can you imagine the discouragement that you would experience from your closest friend telling you to do that? I mean, that's very discouraging. It reminds me, this is, this is totally off topic, but uh, husbands and wives, you have the, the greatest impact of encouragement or discouragement uh, to your spouse. That's for free. Um, then, uh, then, even though Job was afflicted, he had lost everything. What does he do here in Job 19 and, and verse 25? He makes this statement of faith. He says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. What is this statement that he makes? In the midst of his adverse circumstances, everything is against him. He's lost everything. But he says, I know that I will see my Redeemer. And I will see him in this flesh. Even, even after this flesh dies and decays, I know I will see him in this body. The Lord has given him something. He's given him a song in the midst of his night. The Lord has not yet brought deliverance to Job. He has not yet restored him the things he's lost. He's in the middle of that night, in the darkness of that night, and the Lord gives him a song. He gives him a view of the resurrection. Child of God, in the darkness that we face, in the night season that we find ourselves in in this church, the night season you find yourself in in your, in your normal life, the resurrection is a song in the night. When the Lord gives you an image of that again, to see this affliction that I'm facing right now, whether it's health, whether it's mental, whether it's whatever it is, it will end. And I will see my Savior. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just something that we're, we're waiting for. It is real. It is a reality. You will see Jesus. You will see Him. <clears throat> and in the Scriptures, you know, it says that we're saved by hope. Almost every time that it says that, it's talking about seeing the resurrection, being saved by the knowledge that I will see Jesus, that He will make all these wrong things right. Another uh, occurrence of a song in the night is Paul and Silas. It's, this is in Acts 16 if you want to go there sometime. I, I think for the sake of time, I'll just tell you about it. But they're imprisoned for the preaching of the gospel. They're put in the prison and they're put in the stocks. Very uncomfortable. And, and if you're like me, you know, if my circumstances are not quite right, I really am. I really am fussy. I'm like a baby. If they're not quite right, I, I can't handle it. 
if I'm, if I'm a little too hungry, if I'm a little too cold, if I'm a little too hot, if I'm a little too tired, I mean, it's literally like a baby, isn't it, Meredith? I, I mean, I can't, I don't have a whole lot of endurance for pain in that, in that regard. But can I, I can't even imagine being thrown into a prison and how unsanitary that would be. And they don't have hand sanitizing stations everywhere. I mean, I would be losing my mind. And it's, it's, probably, it's probably not the right temperature, probably not, not good food or food at all. Locked in the stocks. But then what happens? It says at midnight, they begin to pray and to sing hymns. They begin to sing songs. Something happened to them. Something The Lord gave them something. He gave them a little joy. He gave them a little hope. And this wasn't, look, this wasn't after they had been delivered from their bondage or after they were out of the stocks. No, this was while they were in the very midst of their problems. They were given a song in the night, literally. And as they sang and, and their hymns echoed through that jail, I know people thought they were losing their minds, but they had tasted a little bit again of the joy of of when God brings a song to you in the night. You know, and I, I happen to believe, I guess we can ask them when we get there, this might have been one of their fondest memories that they had. Maybe even, maybe even uh, more fonder, I guess, fonder than the memories of the great mountaintops that they experienced. You know, hey, Brother Silas, you remember that time we were in prison together? And we sang hymns together? And we felt the presence of the Lord together? I'm telling you, child of God, there's something that you get to experience in the night that you don't experience in the daytime. You know, you could ask Paul about that thorn in the flesh, and I know he wanted the Lord to deliver him from the thorn in the flesh. But I am absolutely confident. If we ask Paul now, said, do you wish that the Lord would have removed that thorn in the flesh from you? I know what he would say. He would say, no. I'm so glad he didn't. Because there's something you get to experience about the power of God in the midst of suffering that you don't get to experience when everything is hunky-dory. The the Scripture is absolutely full of people who were in the midst of their nights, in the midst of a night season, and they encountered the Lord. Now, if they were just in the daytime of their life, would they have any reason to come across God, any, any need for Him? The example that I use there at Vestavia and, and still I believe is, is the one that's on my mind is that, is that woman with the issue of blood. What if, what if she was just a completely healthy person? I'm not, look, I'm not saying that the Lord gives you your infirmities. I'm just saying maybe the Lord suffers you to have it, to not deliver you from it right away. What if she was a healthy person and Jesus comes walking by? It probably, would have, it probably wouldn't have meant anything to her. She would have just seen him and said, well, he looks like everybody else. But you know what had happened to her? She had spent all of her money on doctors. She had 
uh, searched her life to find the answer. Why is this happening to me? Why is this making me an unclean thing? Have you ever felt just like a disgusting thing? And she sees Jesus in the midst of her night. And she pushes through that crowd to get to him. And she says, if I could just lay my hand on the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. What is that? That is a song in the night that she experiences. And she comes to Jesus. And she lays her hand on the hem of his garment. And what does he do? He stops. He, he is in a hurry to get to this, this young girl. And he, he stops. And he looks at her. This woman. He gives her a song in the night. Now as I said, that's something you don't experience in the daytime. You know, when there was another occasion when some of the apostles of the Lord were released from prison or released from beating, and they rejoiced. And they said, man, we were worthy to experience this suffering for the sake of our Lord. That is something that that the truth of the gospel gives you that nothing else in this world will give you. No no painkiller drug, no substance will, will give you a joy that you are suffering. And I love that, that, that the Bible teaches us the truth about suffering. So many people will tell you a lie. They will say that, that when you become a Christian, when you become a disciple of Christ, you will be above your problems, that you will be above health problems, that you will no longer have money problems, that you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know what's the, the danger about that well for one it's just not true the other thing is that for a a child of God out there who has been touched by the Lord who has been brought to life from spiritual deadness when that person experienced adversity as Jesus by the way promised that we would what happens to that person they say well I'm not supposed to be experiencing suffering because my preacher says I'm not, that's not going to happen to a child of God. So I must be doing it wrong. I must not have enough faith. Or maybe I'm just not a child of God at all. Maybe God doesn't love me. What a lie. Amen. What a lie. This is, this is the truth of the gospel. Jesus said it himself. In this world you shall have tribulation. What is the answer that he gives us? What is the song in the night that he gives us? He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He didn't say, be of good cheer. I will deliver you from your problem every single time you have problems. No, he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome it. What about Stephen? Stephen, as he is preaching the gospel, and the, and the crowd turns against him. Can, can we imagine that? I, mean, I, I believe that we can relate to that in this generation more than maybe 
uh, past generations can. To be canceled in, in the culture. To say something, to say a, a true opinion, and to have a group of people turn on you. Maybe to get, if you're on social media, if you, if you uh, speak the truth, um, you will get people mad at you, okay? That's why it's so important to listen to Brother Buddy's messages about not just what you say, but how you say it and when you say it. Perhaps just a, just a blast on social media is not always appropriate, okay? But nonetheless, Stephen says something and the crowd turns hostile. They gnash at their teeth. I mean, that is, a, that is a physical showing of violence. And then they take him and they stone him. But what does Stephen do in the midst of that night that he was experiencing? Every circumstance around him was adverse to him. I mean, absent from the blessing of the Lord, that was it for him. You know, that was it. Now, the Lord obviously could have delivered him from being stoned at all. That's the power of our God. He can do that. But sometimes the Lord gives you something better. Amen. Sometimes instead of bringing the daylight to you, He gives you a song in the night. And that's what He gave to Stephen. As, he, as Stephen looked up to heaven, what did he see? He saw the glory of God. He saw the God that he was serving. And don't you know that made it worth it? That made the suffering worth it. To see God, to see Jesus standing there. Even it affected him so much that even as, as they were throwing stones at him, he cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, a song in the night is so powerful. It, it allows you to echo the words of our Savior, to echo his attitude. And the Lord did ultimately deliver Stephen from that. Delivered him right into heaven. You know, there's also an account we get, and I need to move on, of a song in the night. It's in the, uh, Luke 22, if you want to look at it sometime. I'll, I'll brush over it really quickly. Where Jesus himself is in the garden in agony. I believe it's only in Luke where it uh, records this specific detail. But we know as, as Jesus is in the garden, he's in agony. He's in agony over what he's about to face on the cross. It's, it's nighttime. It's darkness. Everybody else is asleep. He is alone. And I don't want you to be confused, child of God, when you read these passages and you hear people talking about that cup that the Lord is referring to. And, and I don't want you to think that, oh, well, Jesus is getting cold feet about this. Is he going to go through with it? Is he not? Here's what I, I, I truly believe is happening here, and one of you brothers might could uh, straighten that out if you don't believe it too. But I believe Jesus fully understands and appreciates what's about to come. Because He is God after all. He sees how agonizing the cross is going to be. Not just physically, but mainly in that He's about to be abandoned by God. And so I believe he really is fully appreciating and understanding that agony. 
And so if anything, it doesn't show that he's getting cold feet. I believe it shows his love for you and that he actually does. He's not just mistaken that it's going to be bad. He knows it's going to be bad. But yet he goes anyway for you. And also, doesn't it just seem strange if, if, if people believe that God is getting, Jesus is getting cold feet, isn't it strange that the God that created this world, that spoke all that we see into being by the power of his voice, who's always existed, the God that made you as complex as you are out of dirt, that this God who said before the foundation of the world, that made a covenant with himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that at this time he was going to come and save his people from their sins. And now that he's there, you think that God is going to back out? <laughs> no, no way. Not, not for one second will I believe that. But what does the Lord do? The Lord sends Jesus an angel in his time of need to strengthen him, to give him a little bit of encouragement. That's a song in the night. I believe that angels are real things. I believe that the Lord still uses angels. Now, angels are something not to be worshipped. You know, they're just a tool that the Lord uses to, to encourage His people. I, you know, they're ministering spirits uh, sent to minister to His saints. <clears throat> but He sends an angel there to Jesus. Now, as we kind of wrap things up, there's a few takeaways I want to give us. I want to give you some negative examples. We've already mentioned um, some negative examples in, in Israelites. They're almost always the negative example of how not to be. Um, but before we're too uh, critical, you know, I know that if I was there, I would be the same way. And how do I know that? Because I'm the same way right now. I'm, I'm the same way as they are right now, and I can look at the cross and see what God has done. Everything's not a mystery to us. <clears throat> but yet, time and time again, you see them when, when their circumstances turn against them. Well, what do they do? They just immediately get discouraged. They immediately say, why are we out here to die? You know, they didn't seek out the Lord in the midst of their night, and they didn't listen to the song that he was singing to them. I want to give you an example of somebody that was sort of similar, Nicodemus. We have in John 3, Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews, this Pharisee, he comes to Jesus by night, which I believe tells us a whole lot about what Nicodemus is going through. You know, he knows he can't be seen with Jesus in this way because his reputation is at stake. You know, if he is coming to Jesus just to, just to tell him that he's another false prophet, just to, just to uh, point out all the things he's done wrong, he can do that in the daylight. He can do that in the middle of town. It doesn't matter. Why is he coming to Jesus by night? I believe that Nicodemus had been struggling with his old tradition and his livelihood of being a Pharisee and what Jesus had brought to his mind. Perhaps in the new birth already. And so Nicodemus comes to him 
And he, and he says, he's asking him questions. And Jesus is, uh, is answering his questions as this legalist comes to him. This person that believes you've got to do the certain things to be saved. And what does the Lord say? Man, it's the answer always. He says, except a man be born again. You can't see this. You can't see these things. The new birth is the answer to legalism. That God saves his people from their sins. You don't save yourself. And, you, and, and so then, what does Nicodemus do? He says, well, how do I do that? How do I get myself born again? Immediately trying to, to find a way to do it again. And what does Jesus say? He says, it's like the wind. The wind blows. You don't control that. It is a sovereign act of God. So, Nicodemus had one thing right, though. In the midst of his night, of whatever questions he was dealing with in his life, in his night season, what did he do? He sought out the Lord. That was good. The problem was that once he got there, he didn't listen to the song that the Lord sang. So those are two things I want you to remember. You find yourself in a night. Number one, seek out the Lord. Because He's there with you, you just might not see Him. And then secondly, to listen to Him and what He tells you. Now three things I want to leave with you. I've only got about four minutes, so let me do this quickly. Number one, there's a sense in which this, this psalm, when it says the Lord gives you a song in the night, there's a sense in which the Lord does give you a song to sing yourself. You know, we see that in, in the book of Psalms, where the Lord gave David something in the midst of his adverse circumstances, a song to sing that lifted his spirits, that got him through it. Now, there's also an, a, a, a situation in which, if we look over to Zephaniah 3.17, there's also an application of this verse where not only does the Lord give you a song to sing, but that the Lord will sing to you and over you. And we see an example of that in this, this passage, if I can find it. Where it says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. There's a, there is an a application of this in which the Lord gives you a song in the night by singing to you. Man, think about this. In the midst of the darkness of your life, as you were not yet even born again, you were in complete darkness. You don't even know what light is. You're in, you're in such darkness. What does, what does God do to you? He brings you a song in the night. He comes to you. It says in John 5, 25, it says, uh, The hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Talking about the new birth. Showing that you are born again by the power of Him. His voice comes to you. Man, what a song in the night. That He would wake you up from your sleep. Or more than that, He would, he would give you life from deadness. And the last one, there's a sense in which the Lord Himself is the song that comes to you in the night. 
I'm telling you, to be in His presence, to feel His presence, it, it shreds the night away. You know, in, in that song of Moses, I've referred to it now once or twice, when, when Israel was delivered through the Red Sea and they get on the other side and they do worship the Lord, what does Moses say? He says, the Lord is my song. God is your song that comes to you in the night. I want you to think about the night that, that we as God's people were in. The night of our sin, of the darkness of our sin. And think about the night of those 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When the Lord just went radio silent and we didn't hear from Him. And the darkness and the night that settled on His people. But not just that, the night that we were all in from, from Adam falling in the garden. And what did the Lord do in the midst of that darkness and in that night? He brought you a song in that night. As those angels burst open the sky singing, saying, Jesus is here. And as they go and they hear the cries of that baby ripping open the night, Jesus came to be your song in the night. And as Jesus went up on that cross in, in agony and suffering, He experienced the Lord turn His back on Him. Now we feel like that's happened to us times. We feel like we've been abandoned by God when, you, when you're in that night. And the truth is, sometimes it's just because I have taken my eyes off of the Lord. That I've lost where He is. He's never lost where I am. But I've never once experienced what it would be like to have God entirely turn His back on me. But that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. As He hung there, and as the darkness of, of the Lord turning out all the lights of the world, that is a night that you will never have to face because Jesus uh, bore that for you. Praise God, we have a God. We have a God who climbs up into your suffering with you. I want us all to remember that here. As, as I, I pray that the Lord delivers us from, from uh, the health problems that, that members have had and that have right now. But even if, even if suffering continues, God is a God who climbs up in there with you. He doesn't have to deliver you from your suffering to give you a song in the night. I pray, I pray that the next time you find yourself in a night, and maybe you're in it now, or maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and you have one. I want you to seek out the Lord. Read through the book of Psalms. Read through some other books. Listen for, the God, for God's voice to sing to you, to give you hope that is inexplicable, that cannot be explained by your circumstances. God is the God that will bear us through and see us through. I hope that's an encouragement to you. We thank you for listening to today's message. 
For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.